Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? So glad you're tuning in to another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. We're going to jump right in to Luke chapter 17 as we continue this portion of Scripture in the life of Jesus. Man, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Remember in Luke chapter 14, the parables about the lost items in Luke 15 and that beautiful story about the prodigal son. Then in Luke 16, we talk about the dishonest servant and how we are to be good stewards. And then we examined that very complicated and controversial passage of the rich man and Lazarus. And what does that symbolize? What does it represent? What is Jesus trying to talk about in Luke 16, 19 through 31? And today we're going to talk about an increasement of faith. We're going to talk about not being a stumbling block. We're going to talk about forgiveness. So right now, as you're listening to this podcast, I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what you're going through right now. But if you are asking God in your life right now, God, I just need some more faith. I need to grow my faith. I need you to help me be strong in my faith. And I'm having a hard time learning to forgive or wanting. I just do not want to forgive someone who has wronged me. Or perhaps you've been a stumbling block in someone's life. Well, today is the podcast designed specifically for you. And as I was preparing for this and going through this, it's really heavy in my heart, just praying for all of our listeners here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast and saying, God, I just pray that everybody listening around the world that tunes into this podcast, that they would just feel your presence, that they would let go of any bitterness, that they would not be a bad example, but a good one, a solid one, that we would believe in the impossible because our faith is in you. So that is our real desire here today. So I pray this will be a huge blessing for you as well as for me. So let's jump right into Luke chapter 17. This is podcast 81. Increase my faith, Lord, is the title. So verse one says, and he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. All right, so let's pause and see what Jesus is talking about here. So remember, if you go back to the descriptive account when Jesus was talking about eternal destiny that was awaiting the rich man in Luke 16, 19 through 31, Jesus uses that now and he jumps right into temptation for his disciples to understand that you must be warned because when you go down a road of temptation, when you are tempted to sin and you fall prey to it, what happens? Sin starts dominating your life. And so the first commandment that Jesus gives after talking about eternal destination is temptation. Because if you think about it, my friends, this is ultimately where the battle lies. When we fall prey to temptation, it takes over us and we become less effective for God. So when you think about anything that you're going through right now, any of the uh, temptations that you're faced with right now, we have to be forewarned. Now, notice what Jesus does, though. In verse 2, he says, it would be better for him if a millstone, which is a large stone that was used to grind grain in a mill, were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, then that he should cause, in the Greek it's scandalon, where we get the word scandalous, but Jesus puts it in context of a stumbling block. So he's saying is that when you let temptation overcome you, when you live a life of sin, 
you become a bad witness. You become a stumbling block. You be, you start living a scandalous life and you're causing people, in this case, little ones, which is literally in Greek means new or immature believers to sin, to fall prey as well. Now, if you remember not long ago, Jesus' disciples, remember they came to him and they asked him in Matthew 18, who's the greatest? And they were being very boastful and argumentative and very prideful about this. And Jesus responded to them. He says, truly, I say to you, Unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of a sea. So the disciples had already heard this from Jesus, but he's reemphasizing that. And so in both Matthew and Luke, Jesus reminds his disciples to live a life that doesn't lead others to sin. But rather, we are to be followers of Jesus who receive people in love and in truth. And while we do that, this is, this is the key. We must carry a great fear of what will happen if we don't. What happens when we cause other people to stumble? Now, I say this as a father of four as a, as a follower of Christ like you, and as a pastor, all these years, one of the most troubling, disturbing things in my life that I'll be honest, that has caused great pain and agony, frustration, indignation, anger at times is when people abuse their position of authority, especially spiritual leaders, and they cause other people to stumble. They take advantage of what God has given them. And so it's very problematic and it's very troubling, but it's reality. And we have to heed this warning from Jesus, especially if you're listening to this podcast and God has given you responsibility, that you have responsibility as a leader, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's a parent, whether it's a boss, if you're a pastor listening or you uh, have a certain position of authority in your local church or you're out there speaking God's word and God's giving you audiences, or you're writing books, or whatever the case may be, we have to be sensitive with great conviction not to cause other people to stumble. Now, this phrase that Jesus uses, cause one of these little ones to sin, David Guzik describes a few offenses that this could be applying to by looking at this word scandalon. In one sense, David Guzik says that it could refer to false counsel, for example, in Matthew 16, verse 23. So you think about we can cause people to stumble by giving them bad advice. Another area of scandal on is leading a brother in sin with your quote-unquote liberties, right? You see this in Romans 14, verse 13 that says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Meaning, for example, people oftentimes use about drinking. So you could be out there in public and just say, look, I'm just having a beer. But people can see you, let's say, and in, in their mind, the way they interpret that is that you're a drinker, that you party or whatever, and it can cause them to stumble. I've talked to a lot of young people in life who grew up in a family where alcohol was just open and a lot of their family members, their dad, their mom, whatever, drank a lot. And so they, when they got older, they just saw, hey, my parents do it. It seems to be innocent, you know, and why not? And they kind of do that or they see a family member smoking or you know, many kids have come to me telling me that they were exposed to porn early on because their dad was. That is, you know, some people saying, you know, I have certain liberties and, and they're not sensitive of people who, is, who are watching. 
So that could be an area of scandal on. Another one is division and false teaching can bring scandal on among God's people, Romans 16 verse 17. So I want you to take note of that, my friends, of looking at your life when it comes to advice, when it comes to how you express your liberties, how you justify certain things that you say or do or don't do, and and be sensitive about how that can possibly be causing other people to stumble. Now, verse three, Jesus says, pay attention, meaning be ready, ready to respond to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke, meaning disapprove or denounce him. And if he repents, forgive, meaning pardon, remove guilt from him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So the first commandment has to do with temptation. And the second command of Jesus is about forgiveness. Now, remember, this is in context of Jesus just talking about eternal destiny. And this is about a life that we put our faith and trust in, in God, right? In this case, as Christians, we put our full trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we don't want to live in sin. The Bible says that we've been saved from sin. We're no longer dead in our trespasses and sin. So we're not to fall prey to our flesh, to the worldly desires, the lusts that are in the world, and the enemy. We're to live in freedom in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But now, as we look at this second command by Jesus, it's about forgiveness. You see, it's not just freedom from sin, but it's also freedom and forgiveness that we have. And as we have freedom in Christ, we want to have freedom in relationships. So Jesus is warning his disciples to be ready to respond to others who wrong you and to forgive them. So we're also to be careful not to cause other people to stumble in our example or lack thereof, but we're also to be very careful not to cause others to sin by seeing us live a life of unforgiveness. Remember Luke 6, 37 and 38, Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So when God sees that we are not falling prey to sin and when we willingly submit our lives and we forgive people who've wronged us again not to be trampled upon right we need to set boundaries but what he's saying is have a heart of forgiveness that you're not immediately attacking or being revengeful or, or gossiping or betraying one's trust but when someone wrongs you notice it says and he comes to you and he repents of it it's a legitimate I mean, this term repent here is I need to be pardoned from this. I need to be removed from this guilt because I feel ashamed of what I've done to you. We are to forgive that person. Now, the next section is about an increase of faith. To overcome temptation and to forgive people this way, remember over seven times he's saying, meaning it just it's unconditional because we receive that same kind of love and forgiveness from God. We need an increase of faith. So notice the apostles respond to Jesus by hearing this, after hearing this, and they say, increase our faith in verse five. So the disciples, they immediately are saying, Lord, we can't do this. It, it takes great faith in you to be able to resist temptation and to forgive this way. And the Lord notice he says in verse six, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed and you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, it will be done, meaning it will obey you. 
So prior to this, remember, if you go back to Matthew 13, because this is kind of a strange way of Jesus responding to them when they say increase our faith, you would think that Jesus would respond and say, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You finally get it. This whole time when you blow it and you don't recognize something, I always look at you and say, oh, you a little faith. And now you're finally saying, Lord, increase our faith because you're finally getting it. So good for you. But that's the Western thinking, right? And in, and in a sense, in the first century as a Jew, this is more or less what he's doing. He is responding to them by helping them. So when you go back though to previous teachings of how it all connects of how he's teaching his disciples to have that kind of faith, in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, Jesus referred uh, to a mustard seed. He gave a parable. He talked about that, remember? But now he's speaking of having faith like a mustard seed that's strong enough, notice he says, to uproot a mulberry tree. Now this is significant for multiple reasons. Now, one, many scholars debate over what type of mustard seed he's really describing here. But we do know that a mustard seed is proverbially small. Now, another thing that's interesting about a mulberry tree, I think why Jesus references it, because many scholars identify this kind of tree, which is more like a black mulberry, to be a very wide-rooted system and is very hard to uproot. So what Jesus is saying here is, when you say, if you have a, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed and you can say to this mulberry tree, this, this black mulberry, be uprooted and planted in the sea, it would obey you, meaning it will happen. What Jesus is saying is, this kind of faith, you're saying increase our faith and you're saying it to me, I'm the object of that. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. So he's saying that kind of faith that you're asking for it can uproot any type of bitterness. It can uproot any type of unforgiveness. It can uproot any kind of doubt or any kind of temptation that you're faced with right now. If you put your faith in me, great works will happen. Now, in order to do great works, it requires great faith. And he's talking about the impossibility of what you and I oftentimes face, but with great faith, it will happen. So in verse seven now, he's saying, will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded saying, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. So Jesus talks about this, mustard seed like faith that you can do the impossible even with small faith that you continue to add or you continue to increase so just like a mustard seed is small but it grows into this massive tree and it can even uproot a mulberry tree that is very hard to uproot but it can happen and he's saying the same thing with faith is that when you continue to trust in God and ask for an increase of your faith your faith will grow stronger and will uproot it will remove any sin that is dominating your life. So now he transitions and talks about a servant and a master coming out of the fields and saying, prepare table, do your work that you're called to do. So Jesus is now bringing this example of the servant to drive home his message. Since he, Jesus is the master, his disciples are like the slaves in this example. They are to what? Obey him. So it's not enough just to have faith. You have to have obedience. So disciples of Christ not only need an increase of faith, but we also need an increase of obedience to serve the Lord and to love others. One commentary writes it like this. The introductory word, but, indicates that Jesus was now going to balance one lesson with another. 
There was a danger that the 12 might get so carried away with transplanting trees that they would ignore the everyday responsibilities of life. Faith that does not result in faithfulness will not accomplish God's work. It is good to have faith to do the difficult, verses 1 through 3, and the impossible, verses 4 through 6, but it is essential that we have faith to do even the routine tasks our master has committed to us. Privileges must always be balanced with responsibilities, end quote. I think that's well said. So as we conclude this podcast, a couple things. Number one, as we saw in this breakdown of verses one through 10 of Luke 17, what are the difficult things that you are faced with today, my friends? What are the challenges? What are the temptations? What kind of bitterness or unforgiveness are you going through right now or that someone has against you? Give it to the Lord and ask for an increase of faith that you can get through this challenge. Number two, verses four through six, what are some impossible things that you're faced with right now? And again, you can go back to some of these situations and friendships or a particular job or a decision that needs to be made. I don't know, but as a fallow believer, we are all under attack. We all face trials and temptations and we have to fight through them. And so there are things in my life right now as I'm recording this podcast, as you're listening to the sound of my voice, that I'm going through difficulties. I need prayer. Matter of fact, just the other day, I reached out to several close uh, friends of mine and said, I'm going through some really impossible things in my life. Will you pray for me? Will you stand with me and intercede on my behalf? I need that. Uh, This morning I was praying as I was going to work out, God, send your guarding angels. Give me some ministering spirits. Fight off some of these de- these uh, uh, these demons that I'm, I'm feeling uh, that are around me right now. God will be there. He will respond. And finally, routine. What are things that God has called you to do maybe every day or every week at church or twice or three times a week? I don't know, but we are to be obedient. We are to balance our lives out with these things. Don't be so consumed with the difficult or the impossible that you neglect a routine or don't get so routine where you miss out on where God is moving because you're so fixated on things that need to be done a certain way. And and if they're not, you get critical or you start complaining. So I pray, my friends, that as you and I look at Luke 17, that your prayer, as is mine, that we will pray to the Lord. We will cry out to him and say, God, increase my faith. Help me to overcome the temptation in my life. God, I pray that I am not a stumbling block for people around me. God, if there's someone in my life that I need to forgive, that I will forgive them, that I'll be set free from it. And Lord, help me to be an obedient servant, to do the things you've called me to do. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.